ับ
Okay, how would your life change in the next year if you got $500,000 here at the Feast this year? Would your cha life change a lot? Or would that only pay your bills for six months? Right? Okay, God brought us here to help each one of us grow richer in the knowledge of God. Jesus and his Father are looking at each one of us who tops of our head and wanting us to know that we are already richer than the world's richest person. How many of you believe that? Yeah, right? Because there's cash and there's plastic. Then there's spirit, right? I hope you're all carrying your spirit card with you today, right? All right, Revelation 2.9, Jesus says, I know your works, tribulation, and poverty. This is a poor, poor church in tribulation. And he says, parenthetically, but you are rich. You, in poverty, people are, are rich, spiritually speaking. So this $500 check only pictures physical wealth. And 99% of the time, we all look at and think about and Mavis, dear old Mavis, my sister's name Mavis, but it was a different Mavis. She won something like close to $800 million. I think that's correct. And I thought, that poor lady. Man, does she have a lot to worry about now. <laughs> the spiritual value in this room could easily be a billion trillion. You might want to write that down and calculate that. I, I don't know what that is, but it sounds good. So, if each of you took home 500,000, we would be well equipped to deal with many of the worldly problems of next year. The hurricane tore a hole in my daughter's roof, and the water leaked in down in Galveston, and she could, I think she's going to get insurance for that, but nonetheless, somebody's got to spend some money to get that fixed. God is using this piece of tabernacles to continue drawing his people closer and closer to himself until we finally arrive in God's great glory. Romans 2.7 Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good. That's a long sentence, isn't it? They seek for glory and honor and immortality. Now, wave your hand up if you are busy seeking for glory and honor and immortality. Just a couple of you. Most, most people in the church are so humble you say are you seeking glory oh, oh no not me not, oh, not me right and honor do you want honor you know no oh, no no I, I just want to get there that's the immortality part at the end right but Paul on the authority of Jesus Christ says if you are patient continuous and, and doing good you are in fact whether you like it or not seeking glory and honor and immortality and wham, that is going to hit you on the rapture day, right? If you have Latin Bibles, it'll say rapture right there in the scripture. Only it means caught up. And if you read the whole verse, it says caught up together with them which are the dead in Christ, which just blows the rapture ship, uh, theory completely out of the water. You know? But why worry about a few extra words, right? We just want to believe what we want to believe. Romans 5.2 Through whom we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 
and there is no way, no human way that I know of to be able to express to you a tiny little bit of the glory once you cross over. Uh, you, there's two ways to cross over. You can die faithful, which many have done, and, and you can stay alive until you see the white horses in the sky and the big vacuum cleaner sucks you up into the clouds and somewhere up there, 5 feet, 10 feet, 11 feet, whatever, you die. I'm sorry. But it'll be the most joyous dying anybody ever did. Right? Because you probably won't feel anything. What you, you probably will feel exuberating. You will suddenly take on a powerful angelic body and surely it's got to feel good. Can't it? it can't possibly feel neutral. Right? Here's your angel body. Oh, I don't feel anything. <laughs> You're going to feel something. But anyhow, that's, that's what God has promised. Paul says, no eye has seen, no, nobody can imagine how glorious it's going to be. But first of all, we get young bodies. Anybody want to keep an old body? I don't think anybody does want to do that, right? We get young bodies, we get vibrant bodies, we get strong bodies, we get ever-living bodies. That in itself is fantastic all by itself, right? And then there'll be many blessings beyond that as well. So Romans 5, 3 says not only that but we also glory in tribulations do we do that anybody here gloried in tribulations lately Paul what are you doing here okay if he said it we got to try and figure out how that works we also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance perseverance character and I, I can Certify there are a lot of characters here in this room today. I, I know you folks. Okay, and character, hope, right? We've got a couple of hopes here too, right? Uh, you'll meet those later. Romans 8, 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So they're saying, we're taking you to glory even if you don't want the honor and you don't want the glory, at least you're going to get the immortality. Now we have a multiple choice question for you. I know you all like questions, and you probably like multiple choice questions because it gives you a better chance to guess at the right answer. Right? So, question is, what is your physical status? Two answers to choose from. A, your physical status is you're sitting still. Or B, you are not sitting still. So, raise your hand if you are A, sitting still. Okay? Okay, now raise your hand if you are B, not sitting still. Alright. Very interesting. The right answer for all you A people is B. Right? We are all moving rapidly through space and time. The spin of the earth at the surface is about a thousand miles an hour. So you don't have your seat belts on, do you? But there you are. Right. You all are sitting here breathing, so you're moving anyhow. Right. <laughs> I hope you're breathing. Is anybody not breathing? Raise your hand if you're not breathing. Okay. Yeah, a couple over there. I thought so. Alright. So so at the surface of the earth, which was where we are, right? It's spinning at a thousand miles an hour. Isn't that amazing? And then the planet Earth is traveling around the sun at, anybody know? Any of you science buffs know how fast? How many? 
50? 50,000. I like that. Do I hit 60? Do I hit 60? How many? 70. Close. Very close. Okay. You two guys were pretty close on the money. It's actually Google. I Googled it. So if it's wrong, check with Google. Right? It's 67,000 miles an hour. So not only are you spinning on the spinning earth at 1,000 miles an hour, you are also traveling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. So how many of you think that you're sitting still? None of you. See, you've got that right. That's good. God is moving us. God is moving us. He's also moving all human living beings towards one of three possible destinations. I'll repeat that. Three possible destinations. Yes, there'll be a question. A, destination, was celebrated two weeks ago at Trumpets, the rising to meet Christ in the air. That's worth a billion trillion, just all by itself. That, I mean, boy, hey, can we, can we do selfies? Can we do selfies when we're doing that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, you, maybe your camera won't work after that. I don't know. But anyhow, that's worth a lot. So what great glory is that going to be? First Thessalonians 4.17 Then we will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Then we shall always be with the Lord Jesus. Man. You know what that means? You are with loved ones most of you, right? You like being with loved ones, right? Jesus is the greatest loved one we can picture in our brain. The, the Father is a little better, but we never, we can't picture the Father walking the earth and raising people and doing stuff. So Jesus said, if you've seen me, so by our Bible study, we see Jesus in our mind's eye, therefore we see the Father but we are going to be in his presence at all times for all eternity. And that is going to be so fantastic. Most think, people think God is just going to judge me every time. You know? And some humans do this, and some humans do this to their loved ones. It's like, you're not wearing that to church, are you? you know, that tie doesn't match that church. You know, so, but, but God is not like that. God is just beyond fantastic and fabulous. So I want to be with the Lord at all times. Psalm 50, verse 5. Gather my saints together to me. Matthew 24, 31. Send his angels to, with the great sound of the trumpet to gather his elect from the four winds to him, to meet him, to meet Jesus, the face of Jesus. He'll get off his horse. I'm pretty sure I can show you that. He gets off his horse at the clouds, but he rides his horse down to the clouds. So I guess there'll be a bunch of horses up there in the clouds. But anyhow. Then his feet touch the Mount of Olives, so we know that much. Okay, second destination, and this is really weird. Nobody celebrates this second destination, second resurrection. Why do you suppose nobody celebrates the second resurrection? Most people don't know it exists, right? And they certainly don't want to be there, right? If they knew it exists, they wouldn't want to be there. Revelation 20, verse 5, The rest of the dead did not live again till the thousand years were finished. Who can tell what the third possible destination is? Anybody? Yes? Mm, no. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking early. Like, you know, okay, I'm thinking, I'm thinking this side of the second resurrection. 
right? Second the day of the second resurrection and come backwards. All right, anybody else want to guess? What's the third possibility? Oh, boy. We're going to have to have some more Bible study. <laughs> Do what? Living through into the millennium with a physical body. Anybody want to do that? No takers. Anyhow, but there will be people. Now, what are the chances some of those people who go live through the horrible tribulation, live through World War III, live through nuclear detonations, are actually your grandchildren? Oh, wait, have they been baptized? Do they already have God's Spirit? Are they, are they going to be in the first resurrection? Would you like them to be living over into the millennium? I can't think, you know, God may have another plan, but I can't think that there'd be a better plan than to have God bring over our children, our grandchildren who are not already baptized. So, um, it's going to be a whole new world. Oh, I learned something at breakfast. It's fact, I love coming here. I learned things. I was talking to Hank Green, and he said, <clears throat> some people say... It's going to be really miserable living in the thousand years because it'll be like a police state. Right? You all know the scripture where it says, you know, they start doing something wrong and their teachers show up behind them and say, this is the way, walk you in it. Right? So from that point of view, you could say it's a police state. But think of this, right? Once these fleshly human beings, most of them alive today, have lived through... World War III lived through nuclear detonation, lived through tribulation, and Jesus sets foot on the planet. What kind of attitude are they going to have? I'm going to be humble, right? I don't believe there'll be a single rebellious person on the planet. Uh, maybe a few in Egypt. We'll see about that later. But anyhow, so um, the Father and Jesus want us to use this rejoicing festival to focus on where we will be in the future. He's taking humanity through the tribulation up to the return of Christ and if you're alive on this planet you can't help yourself, that's where he's taken us. He's written it down thus saith the Lord, thus is going to happen. So at this time God is letting us choose to be here but in the years ahead of us there'll be penalties for not attending the Feast of Tabernacles. So enjoy it while you can, right? Zechariah 14, 16, it shall come to pass that everyone shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem. If the family of Egypt, let's stop there a second. Who is the family in Egypt? Oh, well, that would be a whole bunch of Muslims who do not worship the Jewish festivals, who do not worship the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. So they get a choice to come or be penalized. They can come, not be penalized, and they can learn like, like we learn, or they can choose not to come and they'll have no rain. This is the punishment, verse 19. This is the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So the Feast of Tabernacles is the flagship 
eight days. Now, into the future until Jesus lands on the planet. And then for a thousand years, he gathers in leadership and he talks to them. Now, is he going to teach them history? Anybody think that Jesus will teach them history? A lot of history, a little bit of history. A lot of history. Okay, I'm going to guess that he's going to teach Muslims a lot about what to do next year. Right? They already had on the clean, unclean meats. Right? They got that. Uh, they don't have the Sabbath. They do Friday. But, you know, a little adjustment there. We're going to fix it. <laughs> okay, he's going to teach people how to live for the next 12 months. And what about after the next 12 months? What happens then? They come back to the Feast of Tabernacles, right? And he teaches them how to live another year. And then he's telling them, you know, you've got a thousand years and then things get really crowded here on earth. Actually, it's not crowded because he lowers all the mountains, he raises all the valleys. And I'm pretty sure that the four-fifths of the earth that are covered by oceans are going to have less ocean good thing about oceans is most people can't swim across an ocean. I couldn't swim from Australia to here or to Los Angeles. The sharks would get me, right? But anyhow, it's like if, if you reduce the amount of oceans on the planet, you get more farmland. That's what we want, more farmland. We want Muslims worshiping on the Sabbath and working farmland and eating rutabagas. Anybody know what a rutabaga is? You all do. See? Somebody show me one of those later. Anyhow, so they are going to learn how to live godly for the next 12 months. And that's what we're doing. This is like no big change. It's just like, and there'll probably be some people who prefer a Sunday, who live over into the you know, millennium, and they'll come to the Feast of Tabernacles. And they, this is great. We like this. Yeah, but you have to worship on the Sabbath. No. That's legalism. That's Jewish. That's Old Testament. Don't make us worship on the Sabbath. I'm sorry. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I told you that right in the book. Why didn't you read that? I am the Lord of the Sabbath. It's like, do I have to make it more clear than that? Isn't that clear? That's plain. No, no. You want us to worship on something. Like that. Come again next year. We'll teach you some more then. Deuteronomy 14, 24. If the journey is too long so that you're not able to carry your tithe, Right? I doubt any of you had to carry a small lamb or a calf or a, that's, that's where they, that was their tithes back then. And he said, you can turn your tithe from a four-footed animal into money. You can exchange it for money and then you can bring that second tithe and you can worship God and you can even, it says lust, but it's probably a better, better word says uh, whatsoever your heart desires, right? And that, I guess that includes your children to some degree. You need some, you need some parental guidance, right? So ask them, you know, what does your heart desire at the feast? Give me a list of 10. <laughs> a multiple choice, right? And then you pick the least, yeah least damaging to, to the psyche. Alright, good news is we are here rejoicing eight days. We're not here fasting for eight days. Can you imagine the look on the faces 
I'm not sure there'd be anybody in the room. Right? When we, when my wife and I were young people, we had three kids. We'd sit them in the back seat of the car and we'd drive to the Day of Atonement. And halfway there, I'd say, turn to my wife and say, oh, we forgot the kids. We've got to go back and get the kids. She'd say, no, they're sitting right there. Where? Oh, they are. Wow. They're so quiet. Why are kids quiet on the Day of Atonement? Anyhow, but they learned, to go, they learned how to be noisy on the Day of Atonement after they grew up. But anyhow. So um, God doesn't want us fasting on the, on the eight days. He, he showed us what it's like fasting on the Day of Atonement. Now he wants us rejoicing and doing wonderful things. So who here feels fully equipped right now at this very moment for all the troubles of the next 12 months. Any of you just ready to go? Ah, nobody. Okay, good. It's a good thing you came here. All right. If Jesus sees the next eight days as the high point of preparing people for the days ahead of you. How many of you expect that the world is going to be better next year than it was last year? You do. Great. Okay. Do you have a red hat? Do he probably does. Huh? Takes his tail hat. Okay. Okay. In one hand, if we get the taxes through and a few other things, things will be better physically. How about psychologically? Are we all going to have a planet that just turns? Little Rocket Man will put away all his toys. And, and, you know, is it, is it really going to get much better or is it going to go downhill? I think it's going to go downhill. Ephesians 4.11, he himself gave some apostles, etc. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, which is our future work in education, and for the edifying of the body in Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a perfect, you can read, more mature or fully mature to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Right? If I asked how many of you have achieved that, hopefully no hands would go up. Right? Because there's a long way to go to come to the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. But that's his goal for us in the next eight days, to move the bar a little closer to being more and more like Jesus Christ. Verse 15 of Ephesians 4. Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. We are here growing, learning, growing, practicing. We get to practice on each other. One of the things, we can practice long-suffering. on, Right? So this is the first day. You've got another seven and a half days to long-suffer anybody who might not be as full of the Spirit as you would like them to be. Right? Okay, we grow up into Christ by overcoming trials using godly practices. In your notes there, Revelation 2.7, 2.11, 2.17, 2.26, 3, 5, 3.12, 3.21, and 21.7. Boy, I moved quickly through that, didn't I? They all say to every one of the seven churches, and then on chapter 21.7, the whole point, is he who overcomes the world, right? And our own selfishness, our own negativity that we have within ourselves. He who overcomes 
shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he will be my son and daughter and you'll be in glory forever and ever and you won't have to worry about the things you're going to have to worry about for the next 12 months. All right? So, how many of you think last year was, actually, last year and last month were brutal for humanity? Was that, was that brutal? I, you know, I made the mistake of watching too much TV, too much news, and I had to watch Harvey, because Harvey came into Galveston and Houston, 50 inches of rain in a bowl. Anyhow, so my, my daughter's first thought is that she'd leave the island of Galveston and hunker down in Houston. <laughs> and thank God she called in. She said, we've decided to go up to College Station where it rained and it rained and it rained, but it didn't flood. Anyhow, so I watched, I watched Harvey and people's houses just totally flooded, totally ruined, right? And then I watched Irma. Was it Irma? And then, you know, and little rocket man's in and out of all this. And it's like, oh. And, and I thought, grief. And in the title there, I used the word grief, from grief to glory. I thought, if you block out all of humanity, you don't have to experience any grief, except maybe you kick your toe in the middle of the night, right? But, but if you are in tune with humanity, there is so much grief going around that it, it could just... If you're not careful, you know, it could kick into the funny farm, which is what they have back in Australia. Not just for kangaroos either. But, but so how, do, how are we going to cope with more grief? Trumpet number six. Anybody know what that is? Trumpet number six? Anybody? A third of mankind wiped out. Is that when I when I saw that tsunami back many years ago, where two let's say quarter of a million people, quarter of a million people died in one tsunami. Oh, man, there's a lot of grief in that, you know. But but so we've got to balance grief. We, you know, I don't think we should just shut it out completely. But we've got to, we've got to say to ourselves. God is drawing us to better times. After the grief comes the glory. Not just for us. Not just trumpets is not just about us. Right? And once we are heavenly beings, we don't get to go and live in a mansion in Hollywood somewhere. We don't get to retire on an island in the tropics where there are no hurricanes, right? We get to go to work, helping people through the Feast of Tabernacles and in other ways learn godly ways and how grief is going to be banished. The president in one of his speeches said he longed for the day when all evil would be banished. And that's what we're doing here now. This is God's plan winching us day by day by day as we got rough stuff to go through but the winching keeps going it's like riding um, what do you call those things roller coasters roller coasters how many of you still remember some of you may not remember it's been so long ago but but when you go up on the roller coaster you hear click 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 what happens when you hear the last click 
there goes your stomach. Right? Woo! Right? So God is winching us through the tribulation to the horses in the sky, to the rising in the sky, to everybody on planet seeing the face of Jesus, right? And then learning that planet Earth will never, ever have war again. The guy in Las Vegas, that will never happen again, right? Because when us spirit being cops, <laughs> when we show up, it's like, shoot me for 10 minutes and then quit. Because you know, it won't mean a thing to me. It'll wear your finger out. But, you know, but, but we'll have ways of teaching these people to think godly, not crazy. Right? Not that I, I don't have any idea what he was thinking, but it was bad. So God provides this festival as a living, breathing, sound and light show of what godly living in the kingdom will look like. How many of you is an ordinary person? Are there any ordinary persons here? Just a few of us. Okay, okay. But ordinary people, not saints. How many of you are saints? Yeah, some of you are saints. That's great. Okay, but ordinary people can live godly, and that's the sound and light show you're going to be looking at for the next seven and a half days. This is it. Praising, worshiping. You know, helping each other. Um, you know, just, you know, humanity has this basic level of wanting to help other people under certain circumstances. And you're going to see a lot of that here. And why is that? Because some of us are Australians, some of us are Texans, some of us are from up north, you know. But, but we get along because of the Spirit of God working in each other, wanting to help each other in every way we possibly can. In... Um, in Psalm 89, 15, blessed are the people who know, Matthew knows what this is, who know the joyful sound. What is that? Anybody here know what the joyful sound is? Matthew was playing it. Come on. Right? joyful sound is praising God Almighty for all that he has done is doing and will do they walk in the Lord in the light of your countenance the coming kingdom will be like a rejoicing time when mankind will begin to learn the joyful sound and never hear the machine gun sound I don't know how long it's going to take me get that out of my head Sometimes it's easy to watch too much TV. But anyhow, we've got to stop it. The evil will stop. And you may not think you could do it all by yourself, but Jesus can do it, and he will teach us how to do it. And we just talk people out of it. You know, I mean, have you ever, you know how the police say, freeze! Yeah, you seen that on TV? Okay, we'll be able to do that. We'll be able to say, freeze! And his arm, you know, oh, hey, my arm's frozen. Yeah, I did that. Why'd you do that? Because you're about to do something evil. Well, now what am I going to do? Well, change your mind. Ah, I just see, I read your mind. You just change your mind. You can have your arm back. Oh, you want to try that again? <laughs> we'll have ways to encourage them. 
And like I say, beginning of the millennium, they're, they're going to be all humble people. I just really don't see any rebellious people going, well, who do you think you are invading, having a space invasion from outer space and taking over the planet without our permission? I don't think you're going to have that attitude at all. People are, people are going to be so glad that war has stopped forevermore. In our world, it's hard to rejoice all day long out there. How many of you think it's easy to rejoice all day long here? Some of you got really good attitudes. Not so practical, but very good attitudes. Right? Because all day long is from the eyes coming open to the eyes going closed. And there's going to be a few little problems. Right? Okay, Psalm 89. 16. In your name they rejoice all day long. So we need to aim at that. Right? When little things go wrong, let's see if we can't rejoice all day long. It's possible through the Holy Spirit. Here at the feast, God is showing us how humanity in the future will be living during the kingdom of God on earth. How many of you would like to take this crowd and multiply it by 500,000. Would that not be spectacular? And we wouldn't call it Las Vegas. What would we call it? We'd call it some Paradise Island or something. I don't know they've used that. But anyhow, right? Just think, this many people multiplied by 500,000 with the Spirit of God living, rejoicing, worshiping God, knowing the joyful sound. So, in Psalm 89, 17, for you, talking about Jesus, you are the glory of their strength. And, and I believe in order, to, in order to counterbalance the grief that you should feel if you watch a little bit of news, to counterbalance that, you, you're going to need Jesus thinking in and out of your brain multiple times a day right because Jesus thinking says it's bad it's going to be so much better we are going to multiply this kind of living this kind of sound and light show we're going to multiply it not by just 500,000 we're going to multiply it by a billion trillion anybody written that down yet see what that looks like that probably takes a lot of paper to write that I don't know but, you know, Jesus says, when I get here, we are going to straighten this thing out in a hurry, right? So if we still, if we will stop and look and listen while we're here, we will see the Spirit of the Father showing through what people are doing and saying and how they're acting and how they're treating their children, how the treat children behave some of the time. Right by the actions of the people in this room, you're going to you can look around, right? And maybe tomorrow, just stand off against the wall somewhere and just just look around the room and say, Ah, these are just ordinary. Oh no, they're not ordinary people. They're, they're so happy. They're rejoicing. They're smiling. Look, he's helping her. And and man, these are special people. Are you special people? 
Yes, you are special people because you've got the Spirit of God working in you. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit or the output of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. You all got these memorized? I got those three memorized. I made my kids memorize the whole nine there for time. I bet they've forgotten it by now. But anyhow, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Don't forget that one. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's a tough one. But anyhow, you are going to see. You might even be able to put labels, right? And you might start a fight too, so you shouldn't do this. But you could, you could get some sticky things, you know, with uh, gentleness. I saw you being gentle, you know, and... You need more self-control. Okay, we don't want to do that. So, we will live this way for eight days while we're here at the feast. God has said you don't have to fast. Yay! Right? He said, bring your tithe money. uh, Eat whatsoever you desire. Somebody had a big thick steak the other day at the Outback. Uh, You know, eat, enjoy, drink. Don't get drunk. Right? But, But have a great time in the fellowship of God's people with all of these fruit of the, out, the, of the Spirit flowing out of people. We can do better. How many of you think we can do better? Are we, we right at the top of our game? Anybody think, can we do better? We can do better. Yeah. Okay. And the world needs us. Needs a lot of doing better. Jesus keeps showing us that he will soon end the darkness and flood our planet with love and joy and peace as far as the eye can see. And, and I'm not sure... I don't think our brains can do the multiplication. So this, we've been in this room before, some of us, and yeah, yeah, we did it last year, we did it the year before. But I don't think we can do the math in our heads of where you you take this and you sort of almost infect it like fire ants. (laughs) You you send it around the planet until there is no evil dwelling anywhere in any city on the planet. So, God has fabulous plans for us. Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. The former shall not be remembered. It will come to mind. And I am ready right now. It's not going to happen. But I am ready right now for the Las Vegas thing not to come to mind. It's like the horror. But there was there was human goodness. People willing to lay down their lives to help other people. And spiritually, we need to be doing that. Right? I hope we don't have an opportunity to do it physically, but if we do, then we do it. Right? Um, like I say, Las Vegas, the Las Vegas massacre is never going to happen again once Jesus' feet touch the planet. Oh, glorious day. Right? Verse 18. But... Be glad, says Jesus. He wants rejoicing people. He wants people doing the multiplication. And, and I could have put $500 up on this check. And most of you can multiply something by 500, right? It's like five times 100, you know. And even that's kind of a stretch for our brains. But multiply something by 500,000. Whoo, that's big. And that's what God is planning to do. So be glad and rejoice now and forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. Right now, up in heaven, I don't know 
if they're watching on TV monitors or whatever they're doing, but they're joying in us. We're joying being here, they're joying in us being here, and we're the little flock that they're going to multiply. They're going to spread around the planet. In Isaiah 65:19, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. He will do that in the future. He's doing that now. He, he too, Father and Son, are prepared to joy now at this very second in the next seven and a half days in his people because it's working, right? How many of you have shot anybody in the last two months? Nobody, right? Thank God. Well, you wouldn't admit to it anyhow, would you? <laughs> All right. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping will no longer be heard in her. That'd be good. That'd be good. <clears throat> How many of you believe in time machines? Anybody believe in time machines? No. Well, that's good. You're smart people. I have a time machine here. You young people, you've never seen one of these. But <clears throat> you wind these up. Uh-oh. Broken. Oh, I'm winding it the wrong way. You wind it up. And it'll run for like 24 hours and then quit. But anyhow, <clears throat> so this is kind of a time machine. But the other one I'm thinking about is, <clears throat> wouldn't it be great <sighs> if we can turn back time in Las Vegas, if we could turn back time, right? And the bullets would go back into the gun and, and we'd know what was happening and we'd go get the guy before he pulled the first trigger, right? <clears throat> the Titanic... I'd made the mistake of watching the Titanic. Stuck in my brain. <clears throat> but with God's time machine, you can turn back time. All those drowned, dead people from the Titanic, that's not going to happen again. It happened in the past. You can't really bring them back to life, but you can prevent the circumstances that caused all those people to drown in those ice-cold waters of the Atlantic back, way back then. So God, he, he's not going to turn back time like super, Superman does. Anybody remember Superman? Remember Superman? All right, see? He's still a young person, right? But, but Superman flew around the earth backwards, the way I hear it, and Lois Lane, who was then dead, because he went around so fast, he changed time or something, and Lois came back to life. Isn't that wonderful? Anyhow, so Jesus can do way better than that, so I'm, I can't wait. So I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping will no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. God uses this festival to show us where he is taking humanity. If you just watch the news, you might conclude that humanity is about to destroy itself off the planet. That's not going to happen. Um, he is taking humanity and he's coming back to save, to, to destroy those who are destroying the earth. So if somebody else doesn't get Rocket Man first, Jesus will get him. Right? I suspect that somebody else will get him first. But God uses this festival to show us where he's taking humanity and what our job is going to be building and preparing ourselves now for the 12 months ahead and what our job is going to be in helping other people learn what we've learned. Is what we've learned rocket science? It's not all that difficult. It's just 
Read the book, do what he said. Read the book, do what he said. It's that simple. Jude 1.20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. We need to be here building ourselves up for eight days so that we can be strong and ready and prepared for the grief of the next 12 months and be strong in Jesus and have fixed in our minds that, that the darkness will stop after so many years because Jesus is going to make it stop. Keep yourself in the love of God. <clears throat> so how are we to build up ourselves? It's slightly more difficult than using a GPS. How many of you can <clears throat> navigate using a GPS on your cell phone? How many of you have cell phones? That's better. You young people don't know how to navigate? Okay, you're just sleeping there. All right. All right, let's try that again. How many of you know how to navigate using your cell phone? All right, there you go. See, now we're catching up to the 21st century. All right, so it's, it's just a little more complicated than using a cell phone navigation system. First, you have to decide your destination. And guess what? That's why we're here. Feast of Tabernacles in the future with Jesus up here talking instead of some crazy Australian. That's the future. That's your destination. That's your first destination. Then you've got a thousand years of working with human beings and you'll have the upper hand at all times. That's going to be nice. It'll be really nice. You won't be outmaneuvered by some five-year-old, right? So, um, first you decide your destination. God's already given us that. We read that and we study that. And we'll hear some sermons about that. Then you set the program in your GPS. And then comes the most important part. You follow the instructions, right? You follow the instructions, except on rare occasions, right? Um, there's a few hundred square miles out in Louisiana where the Russians have influenced the GPS programming and my GPS absolutely loses its mind. It says, turn left. And I'm on a straight highway and I've got another 40 miles to go. It says, turn left. It's like, go away. Yeah. So now I'm using three GPSs. I'm using one up here, I'm using my cell phone, and I'm using... Where I, I've been this road like a hundred times before. Don't tell me to turn left. I know where I'm going. You know, but I like to see the little picture. It's, it's like that little blue dot is like God looking down on the top of my car. Yeah, you're going in the right place. We're good. Okay. So first you decide your destination. You set the program and then you follow the instructions. And guess what? You arrive where it said you would arrive 99% of the time. Right? Okay. <clears throat> so what guides the righteous in obeying God? His guiding light, Proverbs 11.3. The integrity or the completeness of the upright will guide them. So <clears throat> what you program into your head in the next seven and a half days is the programming that's going to guide you <clears throat> through the grief and the trials and the troubles of the next 12 months. So more better. More better. Is that, is that American? You say more better you program here in seven and a half days, <coughs> more better, uh-oh, <coughs> more better results you will have in the next 12 months. Okay, Proverbs 11.3, uh, we did that 11.5. <coughs> the righteousness, I cannot imagine why the British made that word so long. It was the British, wasn't it? <coughs> yeah, I thought so. Righteousness just means doing right. 
right? That's the Australian version. Doing right. right. So the righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright or best for best solutions day by day by day. God has provided <clears throat> the do right instructions in the Bible and you're going to hear and talk about. We must provide the doing right actions, which you know, most of us are pretty good at, but we've, I think we all agreed we could, we could raise the bar a little bit. We could do a little better. Proverbs 11, 6. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them. There it is again, right? <clears throat> Verse 8. The righteous is delivered from trouble. Verse 9. Through knowledge. How many of you are pretty satisfied with how much knowledge you've got? It's like, it's full. Your, you know, your little jump drive or whatever you've got, your drive, one of those things, hard drive, is full. My cell phone every now and then says it's, it's full, right? How many of you are satisfied? You're full of knowledge. You don't really need much more. You need, anybody need some more? Man, I need, I need way more. I was going to have you demonstrate how much you wanted by doing this. Then I realized you'd be poking the eye out of the person sitting next to you. So I decided not to quit that. I, I decided not to do that. So through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. Can it be that simple? Can it really be that simple? Through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. Why? God created these eight days so righteous through knowledge can be delivered. That's the plan. That's what we're here learning. That's what we're here practicing. And we're showing other people. Um, <clears throat> I happen to know of somebody going to the feast um, who's never seen any of this stuff before and probably thinks they're going to sacrifice an animal or two. You know. <laughs> but if they were here in this room, they would see the Spirit of God flowing out of people. And they'd say, that is a really nice bunch of people. Same thing is happening in feast sites all across the land and all around the world. Even in Australia, although they're way ahead of y'all, they're like 15 hours ahead until they do daylight saving backwards, and then they're 17 hours ahead. But anyhow, they're down in Australia somewhere, there's people keeping the feast tabernacle. After these eight days, we go back into the world's darkness for 12 more months. It's not going to be pretty, but we don't want to even think about it. But the time to prepare for it is here and now adding more knowledge. So while we're here building ourselves up, we need to be asking ourselves these questions. Do I love these festival people? That's the easy answer, isn't it? Yes. Do I love where God is taking humanity? Can't get better. I mean, he created it all. He knows how it works. He knows how you work. He knows how the spirit works. Do I love the Bible God of happiness? The more you learn about Jesus, the more you can, you can almost touch his face. You, know, you close your eyes, you can almost touch the face of Jesus. The more you, you know how he would react in a given circumstances, the more you can drink that in like King David, whose heart was a heart after God's own heart, right? the more you come to love the God of Bible, the God of happiness. These eight days are God's richest blessings on our lives so we can be strong to face the next 12 months, which we don't even want to think about, but guess what? Seven and a half days, start your engines. And now is the time to prepare for start your engine. This festival picture that you're looking at from God is 
his rejoicing now with us as his taking his faithful towards glory. Click, 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 click. And this is not just a roller coaster. When you hear the last click, yes! No more arthritis, no more pain, no more kicking your toe in the middle of the night. No. Oh. So Psalm 64:10, the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust him, and all the upright in heart shall, here we are again, they shall glory. We got to see a lot of glory in Don. I can see it on faces here right now. Matthew and his glory team, they're going to be doing a whole bunch of that. So let us be glad in the Lord and rejoice in his glory. Anybody want this? <laughs>